the mode of production is also kind of a materialist view as well. Uh, it's this notion that the way humans produce goods determines the intelligence of the humans, thus the outcome of the society. And so just using them, just saying we're in capitalism is saying we are in the capitalist mode of production. And this capitalist mode of production is a mindset that determines everything. And we know that's not true. The capitalists aren't, quote unquote capitalists, aren't determining anything, right? The state's doing it. Welcome to Activist MNT, a podcast about real-world economics, including modern money theory, and how life changes when you discover it. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today I talk with Wesley Wiles about the false historical modes of production and how they relate to MMT. The primary source of this information is the 700-page 2021 book The Dawn of Everything, A New History of Humanity by the late anthropologist David Graeber and archaeologist David Wengro. Essentially, Graeber and Wengro reject the myth that as civilization becomes larger and more complex, it must necessarily also become more unequal. This myth and its false modes of production assert that ever-increasing inequality is unfortunate but necessary. In the same vein, mainstream economics' assertion that a federal deficit is always bad, a balanced budget always better, and a surplus always best, means that the government's budget position is more important than the real-world condition of millions of human beings. This in turn implies that austerity too is unfortunate but necessary. The truth is that the only reason inequality or austerity is unfortunate but necessary is if we choose for it to be that way. We can choose differently. The real challenge is to stand up to those who benefit greatly from these things not changing. Because in both of these cases, it's a matter of life and death for us as individuals and as a human species. Wesley's provided some other valuable video lectures and panels, links to which you can find in the show notes. They include a panel discussion on the book The Dawn of Everything with Wengro, Stephanie Kelton, and others. There's also an excellent panel discussion on rentier capitalism with Graeber, Guy Standing, and Michael Hudson, filmed only days before Graeber's untimely death. And now, on to my conversation with Wesley Wiles. Enjoy.
I've been like so I've been getting really into Graver stuff uh, this last like month. So I've just been oh, yeah? diving into tons and tons of that. There's always something to learn. I mean, that's reading or, or watching. Yeah, uh, oh. read, reading his book, read his book, and then just going through uh, interviews with him, and then also with Rengro, the two of them together, and then also separate, okay. just to really further get into what they're talking about. Hmm. Yeah, I, I never heard of him before. I, well, that was the first time I saw him in the interview. It was good. It was good. Yeah. But all those, all those things were good. I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of knew some of it, but it, that was much deeper than than I, I had a you know kind of encountered before. But actually, I have a recommendation for you that I have a feeling, kind of is the center of it all, like the the foundation under which all of these things lie. Uh, Polanyi's Great Transformation. Sure. The. Polanyi's transformation. You know, I haven't read it, uh, and I've uh, it's one on my list and stuff, and I definitely will will need to read it. Wingro and, and Graber, they definitely get into Polanyian stuff, and I think they have some stuff. That, you know, they point out that there's a few things that against the evolutionist narrative that kind of these guys are actually set out to kind of attack early on, not just political economy like itself or trying to battle an evolutionist narrative that kind of started in the 1700s under. Okay. So really uh, the issue is just a, a historical narrative that's used for all of these other economic basis, all these other economic analysis, right? And so if you start off thinking within these stage categories, you know, where humans were kind of, their intelligence was destined by or determined by the way they material materially produce goods. Like that is a fallacy in itself. And that's historical narratives kind of being created and reproduced by those modes that reinforce that narrative. Okay. We see that China, Middle East, Africa all had, extremely organized, highly advanced uh, civilizations, right? But during kind of that 1600s to 1800s era, when kind of the French Enlightenment is kind of developing, they're taking this historical narrative, but also kind of applying it to like a modern situation. It's like, oh, look, these people, you know, they are living in kind of nomadic hunter-gatherer tribes. Uh, They must have no history they just must be primordially tribal hunter-gatherer people, and they don't have any intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as uh, you know, more work's done from historians and archaeologists and everything like that, they're like, oh, actually, these all these civilizations have a pretty, pretty uh, rich history of having highly uh, advanced or highly organized societies. And actually, it turns out, a lot of the things that Europeans or the Western world thinks is achievements of theirs is actually things taken from these other societies like tax and money, law, ideas of freedom, uh, critiques against private property. <laughs> like all of a sudden it's like, oh, so these things came from all these other continents that were being eventually get called less ev- uh, evolved. And so they can't critique European society. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think what I really took away, what I take away from just MMT in itself, is along with these other kind of 
academic places like where Graeber is and Wingrow and stuff is that there's false narratives of things and then there's like reality, right? MMTers and so I like to say MMT describes reality. I think it's kind of like that is the point, right? Is that there's all of this moral philosophy and ideology that obviously has a bit has been tied up with false historical categories. Okay. Right? And so some of this stuff is great, but it's pointless because now is that people, a dog or a baby in the background? A dog. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. She's like a baby. She does this wine thing. <laughs> Malaya, stop. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. There's like, that's why, we people we need to read all of it learn all of it right His, i think something that's quite often uh, expressed the heterodox mmt community is, is like is, you know is learn, reading all of the stuff learning all of it like the history the history of economics is kind of what i mean right which mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is going to take you through places and to people that you will disagree with and can be proven wrong right but mm-hmm. you still kind of need to go through that the history, mm-hmm. you know, so like, I don't think that any of these people need to be disregarded in that fact where you can't read them or something, but yeah, what they're all missing or it's actually what they're all including is a false historical narrative. And so the point of those four, like the four stage categories, those don't exist, right? Those the four state, the four stages of society that's just widely accepted across the aisle is the tribal of the hunter gatherer, slave society, feudal capitalist mode of production, right? Stage category system, basically the foundation to the the stage society theory, which which has no evidence of being true. It was. Un, was there was no really ability to prove it really at the time either is it being developed you know in the 1700s it's, it's like another barter theory right where barter theory is kind of embraced and popularized by kind of adam smith and stuff in the scottish revolution there at the time and there was no way for him to prove that theory right and then as time goes on archaeologists anthropologists disprove barter theory of money so it's along the same lines with these, the mode of production categories, right? Which mm-hmm. the mode of production categories aren't just describing the system of material production. It's also categorizing the intelligence of the humans in the society. It's a historical category. And it's also a category trying to describe the state being that the state or the society is limited, determined by that modus of existence, right? And so mm-hmm. there's there's really no evidence for this this notion that you know Rousseau, who himself is saying, oh, slavery didn't exist until uh, agriculture, which mm-hmm. which is on its face untrue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's completely ignoring the way humans are developed and the way humans are developing society and turns it over to the material way they produce goods is the agency 
basically, right? That determines the intelligence of the people and thus determines the way that they develop their society and their state. And if they're, and if they don't slave people or if they're not in a feudalistic mode of production, then they can't possibly offer us any critique because they don't understand the nature of hierarchy in this a developed system, you know, this developed economy or developed society. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Well, why don't we, why don't we back up and I'd like to ask you, can you introduce yourself? Can you talk about how you came to MMT and how you came to these more, uh, I'll say deeper things. It's not the right term, but, but these, these more, uh, broader things, these broader things that you're talking about now. Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. I'm uh, Wesley Wiles and really uh, came to MMT just by chance. Uh, really. I mean, uh, of course it was swept up in the Bernie 2016 and then the Bernie 2000, 2020 kind of online, you know, uh, campaigns, but it was really in between those two that I really, I finally got kind of found by MMTers and actually started asking questions uh, about what they're saying where I'd been kind of, you know, during those two periods, everybody was following each other on mass, right? Like basically if you were a Bernie supporter, you got followed on Twitter and on Facebook. Right. And so during the first campaign, you know, I think it was just had more accepted the more orthodox Marxist, uh, framework of macroeconomics, which is neoclassical. That is what Richard Wolff and David Harvey and stuff is, is oh, you know, David as, Harvey. Yeah. I mean, I'll yeah. never forget his critique of MMT. Yeah. Th- that is the macroeconomic framing that they're offering is neoclassical macro. It's, you know, and we don't even have to get into, and I've had plenty of words to say on Twitter with, uh, Wolf myself because said before I got to MMT, I had gotten also brushed in with kind of the occupied uh, movement, which really funneled you into some of these heterodox I, uh, these heterodox lanes. But the you know which Marxism and radical Marxism is absolutely a part of that. But the more popular Marxist like intellects and academics. Are these more are more orthodox actually when it comes to the macroeconomics? But you know when you're in kind of political fervor, uh, words and virtue signaling and stuff like that are you know have a lot more value to you. You know you kind of prioritize them in a way, right? You're like, oh wow, they said that, so we have the same mindset. So really without the frame of reference that I'd learned from MMT, I didn't know I was wrong or they were wrong. That was just the dominant narrative, right? You know, you got a tax to spend, to fund anything. Uh, If you spend too much, you'll get inflation. I mean, that is the framework that's being churned out with with the Orthodox Marxist crowd. Not all, but the more popular. Like fortunately... Well, uh, more popular because they churn out that stuff. Well, and, and I, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. Yeah, it's not. That's not a coincidence. You're right. Uh, but fortunately, I'd gotten crowded into Steve Keen and Michael Hudson's work already before kind of getting into MMT. 
Mm. And these are already MMT sort of adjacent. And, you know, Michael Hudson, an mmt -er, I would consider. Uh, I think he considers himself it as well. He toured with, you know, Stephanie and stuff in Italy teaching it. Though he has, you know, the MMT community is not homogenous in itself. So I had already been hearing the debt peonage and, and forgiving their debts is something that I'd already kind of absorbed and took it on. And so when I was getting people underneath my feed, like on Facebook in 2017 and 18, who were talking about birdie stuff and, you know, Medicare for all, they're like, we'll pay for it with MMP, right? Like, like think that, I, I think that was really like one of the first like lines that just like caught me off guard. Hmm. And I was like, what is MMT? What? Like, because at first I was like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll pay with it with MMT. Like I didn't say that, but like hit like or something, you know, it's like, of course. <laughs> right? But then I'm like, what does that mean? Right. What does that mean? <laughs> and of course you don't pay with it for it with MMT, but that line just was trying to be a short line saying like, no, it's not the taxes that are, you're going to, that are going to fit us fund it like we pay for it because of the mmt framework we'll show you right which is because the government is a sovereign issuer of its own currency right like the taxes don't work the same way at the federal level as they do at the state right like so this is when i'm like oh what have i what have i been learning this whole time right why mm -hmm. have i like why have i had why have i been spending hours of my time arguing with people that you know were friends maybe in high school or something but now kind of libertarian being i i live in northern california about an hour and a half from paradise the town that burned down and bernie mm. you know released the his green new deal plan in 2020 so it, this is a very for california it's a very conservative uh, red bastion for you know 70 years uh very uh not like your george bush conservative you're much more the tea party libertarian right the tea party really took throttle here like we have this whole state of jefferson separatist movement but there's a lot of aspects to that as well right like the Sinclair Media Corporation monopoly on you know channels, or you know on like on cable channels. They, they own news, like news stations. News yeah, channels. your basic yeah basic cable channels. Like they own twenty three stations between here and the coast and the Klamath Falls. This like hot spot of where it's rural and isolated, but all of the you know, basically all the cable channels are kind of monopolized by basically Sinclair that just runs Coke network stuff through it, you know, like, <laughs> so everyone's pretty much captured by that. And it's, it's pretty, it's a bastion here, conservative bastion for a long time. And, you know, that's not going to change. I don't think uh, you really have to get down and explain it to them. And I've done that multiple times over here and actually with a few older timers that were more of that kind of classical conservative type, like they, they get it. You know, you talk to them, you say, no, the, the taxes has come second, right? Like the federal government spends, 
you you can't tax until that money is in circulation. Let me ask you: do you, uh, do you see any problems with MMT, or does MMT enable and facilitate these larger, broader issues that that are important to you? No, the uh, MMT. I have not found anything. Uh, any problems with MMT at all. I mean, and I mean, who am I to say, but besides, you know, it takes minds to check all these. But, but, but I mean, MMT, I, but I mean, like, I mean, you, you know, oh, you, you, you started off, you started off our very beginning. You started off by saying, you know, very important people have very important stuff wrong, but sure. I don't think that MMT necessarily, I'm asking, I don't think it does that MMT necessarily touches on those things, which shows that they compartmentalize what they do. Well, yeah, yeah, I would agree with the way you finished that. Uh, I've uh, MMT isn't affected really by anything of the stage society kind of misconceptions, you know, out of Rousseau and stuff. Uh, they basically share a same historical narrative, and it's not a narrative, really, right? It's this is the evidence being found. This is what Assyriologists are describing that money has existed for this long. Other archaeologists and Graeber and these guys—they're not—they're not, they're not uh, arguing against that. They're like that's also their their narratives, right? So, really, MMTers share much more in common with Graeber than uh, David Harvey or or Richard Wolf, uh, specifically because of the historical narrative, but. The most important thing, right, is the historical narrative, which is also one of the most important things about MMT, right, is that is one is the operational mechanisms that's just being described, which, I, you know, doesn't need anything besides somebody looking at it like Mosler and just accurately describing it. Right? Doesn't but require then, history. That's interesting. Yeah. But then there is like the broader part of MMT, which includes the historical narrative, which is something that's being constantly fought, right? The main, the dominant narrative, the orthodox narrative or whatever the mainstream academics is that money is just this thing that came out of barter, which the barter is like, that's what it's doing is creating this historical narrative as well as creating a narrative about the state, which is that the state didn't have anything to do with it. So, uh, yeah, so MMT helps, Understanding that these categories were bullshit helps a ton because then you're like, yeah, we already know that there's these legal and institutional networks kind of developed by social relationships that are created in the state. There's no, you know, uh, we're not trying to separate intelligence to determine these things. We're saying these things have been there for a long time, <laughs> you know, like, uh, like the way MMT, once you do a little bit of study on it, the way that the taxpayer money kind of uh, narrative or when you see it being used, described federal fund, it's like a, it's a psychological tick, right? For MMTers, they see it and they're like, Ugh, they cringe. They're like, that's not correct. It's reproducing a, a racist and classist narrative. It's reproducing the false historical narrative. Well, that's basically what, the, the dawn of everything and that kind of work does to motive production categories, right? Because it's really attacking the stage society theory and the evolutionist 
or the evolutionist narrative in itself, which was that's that kind of four stage category thing saying uh, Native Americans can't possibly critique Europeans because they're dirty savages, right? Like that's that's the issue that's going on there. And MMT does not do doesn't fall into that. And MMT is also involved in studies that's describing ancient society, which is also describing how states are developed. Well, I'd like to ask you, um, your overall thing of, you know, that, that, that I, I guess like mode of production and whatever, like the, the, the major things that you think like, uh, Wolf is missing. And uh, I, I don't even know like that, that, that the left has wrong. The major yeah. things that the left has wrong. Can you give like a primer on what those concepts are? Because I, I don't really, I don't really have my head around what you're talking about, let alone why it's wrong. Yeah, sure. Uh, the issue is the categories in itself. So, I mean, with the left, it's probably biggest problems is that it reproduces false categories, false hysterical historical. What's a narratives. category? A category, like a category is just, uh, basically the way of quantifying a period of something, like a period of time, a, per- a period of history in a sense. Like these are historical categories that are also describing the way that the material goods were produced in them. But the way that the modes of production categories, right? So mode of production is a category. And so what I'm meaning, like this type of category what it's doing is saying that society was limited to be the certain way because of the way it produced goods. And so the hierarchy within it is such because of that. And they couldn't possibly understand maybe to do something different because they had not developed into a different category of human evolution, which is the next stage, the next mode of production. Right. So if you were in slave society, you couldn't possibly understand feudalistic stage. If you're in feudalistic stage, you couldn't possibly understand the capitalist stage. And although like these this ground isn't really ground being argued for by the left, the reproduction of the mode of production categories does it for them. That's what these categories were meant to do. And so there's things that we are describing, like everyone may be describing exploitation, wage slavery, this and that. These things are happening. These things are real. But what's not real is the mode of production category in itself. And we see it being abused constantly, right? Where it's like there's human uh, effect, whatever, human things being personified onto capitalism as if capitalism is this this invisible hand wandering around telling people what to do right it's the algorithm like this is stuff coming from the left that are naturalizing this idea that the way we produce goods creates the agency on which we develop intelligence and so what's the problem is naturalizing these categories instead of rejecting the categories. The mode of production is also kind of a materialist view as well. Uh, it's this notion that the way humans produce goods 
determines the intelligence of the humans, thus the outcome of the society. And so just using them, just saying we're in capitalism is saying we are in the capitalist mode of production. And this capitalist mode of production is a mindset that determines everything. And we know that's not true. The capitalists aren't, quote unquote, capitalists aren't determining anything, right? The state's doing it. Mm-hmm. The, motive, the capitalist mode of production itself is also flawed, right? Because it's giving agency to the private sector, right? The monopsony from these bourgeois and their, their hold on the means of production. We know this is incorrect uh, from MMT because MMT points out that the labor market, the labor force is created by the state's coercive tax. The tax is set, then people have to go out and labor. Then mm-hmm. after that coercive act creates this market, this labor pool, then capitalists or whatever you want to call them are f- free to exploit that labor pool. And then they pay with a wage of the state currency, right, that the people are looking for. So there's exploitation and all of this stuff going on, but the monopoly on creating the worker, to, you know, the that force of the work to go to work isn't just by nature of these people, these bourgeois holding certain, you know, productive means. And so it's not just that those modes are race science that are trying to categorize history in a way that like separates certain types of societies. Uh, It's also incorrectly describing the state. The, the capitalists aren't forcing people to work. The tax makes people have to go to work. Mm-hmm. And if you don't provide anything or if you allow the private sector to do that, well, then that's the prerogative of the state to allow them to freely exploit that labor pool. But mm-hmm. that labor pool is also not just this natural state of people wanting to produce things, you know, kind of like the some of the classical economic narratives, which is – which is naturalizing categories that didn't exist, that don't okay. exist. And according to Polanyi, the very notion of capitalism, the very pos- the very state of capitalism, the the idea of capitalism, is doesn't exist. It's impo- it's an impossibility. It's a utopia. Oh yeah, it yeah, is, definitely. And the only it. reason, and the only reason that it exists, the only reason that the illusion exists, is because they have commodified people, land, and labor, land, and money. And when those things run out, not money, of course, but when labor and land run out, then the illusion is done. And obviously, with with the climate crisis, it's pretty clear that that's, you know, that's on its way. They're 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 they have to annihilate land and labor, the society, basically, in order to make their illusion, in order to perpetuate their illusion. Yeah, Uh, and that's where I think you know, like MMT and stuff like that, is super important because. Then all of a sudden, now you're discussing what's real and what's now what's not real, right? And I think that's something like it's not a loss for the left to reject these these historical these false historical narratives, right? And categories like the mode of production categories. The issue is that while there was critiques of European hierarchy being made there was also a reaction to it. Like the problem is that by the time 
it got to the Enlightenment thinkers, they were all basically writing fictional characters of kind of the Condia rock that had actually been making the discussion, basically because writing about a native critiquing European hierarchy would get you outcast or or uh, imprisoned or something. You know what I mean? Uh, but then they also embrace the conservative historical narrative, right? Which is saying things of developing these stages. And so uh, you basically get a critique, an embracement of the critique of European hierarchy and then an embracement of the reaction to the critique, which develops into the stage theory, stage society theory, which is humans evolve in modes, different stages, and uh, they're less evolved the further the stage, right? So the entire left discourse at this point is trying to satisfy contradictions. So the left doesn't lose anything by getting rid of these, these categories. It opens them up. It frees them up to actually start analyze, analyzing and discussing what's real, real stuff. So really that's, <laughs> that's the biggest problem with not moving on from the mode of production categories or not moving on from like the barter catalytic money theory, which kind of, you know, which dominates the left, you know, and Marx did write about and he did write articles defending the barter myth and kind of attacking credit theory, mm. which, you know, to his foil, he, he was wrong, obviously. And he does come to write later as he's developing his legal career that money is actually more of a state power. But the popular left, your major intellects like David Harvey, they're not talking about that. They're just still talking about the kind of the capital theory where it's like money is this dead labor sort of thing, which is still a commodity theory framework. They're still trying to attach it to something, right? There's some there's something out there somewhere, some dead labor that created the, the money, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem with accepting it, I think, is something that Bill is no different than what Mitch, Bill Mitchell talks about with neoclassicals and the mainstream is that they've done work or, you know, they've done videos and stuff like that talking about this as if it's the chapel of voice are still just like capitalism is this algorithm just telling you what to do. It's like, no, even if you were to accept these, these categories in their state, like capitalist mode of production is talking about objective economic structures, not a mindset that's just floating around guiding rich people. There, I don't even know what each individual uh, Marxist academic thinks mode of production means. They don't even talk about the category in itself. It is just all accepted as fact. And, and this is something – and then I think the reason that I've really, really dove down Graeber's stuff lately – is that it's there's so much similar to MMT's kind of fight in the mind of of the of citizens, right? Because essentially that's really is what's going on. It's a, a fight over the mind. It's the bunch of us might share the same 
uh, sentiment or want the same policy. But if we don't, if we're not on the same page about the real structures, objective things like how money is created, you know, it's a we're just sabotaging each other. It doesn't matter if we organize. If they were all on different pages, it, it's just going to sabotage itself. Every minute we're arguing over whether taxes, funds, spending. I'm saying like this is how the left sabotages it's, is sabotaging itself. One of them, right? Is well, every, when you don't agree on reality, then every other conversation is yeah. meaningless because you're talking on two different bases, two different bases of reality. Exactly, and and that's where we are. That's where the Western left or the U.S. left or whatever you want to call it. That's where we're on. Nobody is on the same page. Nobody. We are not sharing the same reality. There, uh, and a big part of why we see that to separate these institutions, these institutional uh, like mechanisms, like money from the state. Yes, coming from kind of an this anti-government narrative. The idea that even that you can separate money is really rooted in a false historical narrative. The barter myth. <laughs> I mean, that's what I believed before learning any better. I mean, who else is out there to tell you any different, right? Uh, very well, it's few- deliberately kept from you. Yeah, and it's deliberately kept there's from plenty you. Of people, there's plenty of people to tell you. Sure. It's, it's being kept, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, you're not going to turn on any radio or any uh, news channel and hear them talking about that, especially as MMT has been gaining foothold, you know, like starting from nothing in the 90s to some blogging to, you know, now it's finally making mainstream and stuff. Well, I mean, it's hit mainstream a few times, like with the 08 crash kind of era, but now it's sticking, right? Now all of a sudden – MMT is hardly removed from uh, the topic of discussion. Maybe not on television, but the you know all the news sites between Bloomberg or some someone somewhere trying to critique MMT. You, I see lots of I see lots of critiques of MMT lately, which I think is a good thing because that means we're straddling more, the laugh at you, yeah, uh, the the laugh you laugh at you fight you stages right now. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I feel like I feel that kind of that's something that's going on too, definitely. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's not a loss for the left to confront this, not reject it fully, but keep things that are that make sense from analysis out of all types. There's there's a rich history of people analyzing society, trying to break down problems that comes from Smith and Cardo and Marx and the classical economics and stuff. There's there's rich history and there's rich analysis, but there's also a lot that's not even real. And But the first problem is going to be to get the left to understand this, to, to get them to accept the evidence and come to a conclusion, at least a broadly similar conclusion that, okay, yeah, uh, we're right to criticize property laws and allowing private property to kind of create, you know, hierarchy and stratification. Uh, we're right about these other things, but we have some other things that are just fundamentally wrong, right? Like we're the we're not just yearning for this primitive freedom that only existed within 
communal tribal systems, right? The the idea that all hunter gatherers were homogeneously egalitarian is just it was never real. It was never true. Some people I've talked to about this have just fully rejected. Like they don't even want to talk about the evidence. They just want to kind of get into an argument about Marx. Like I said, I have been a Marxist for longer than I have been an MMT here. But it's like the more I've learned about MMT, I just start I've just begun questioning everything at this point. And now I'm and then now I'm at the point it's like I'm not afraid to completely burn it down. Right? In a sense. Uh if we don't, it's gonna burn us down. If if we yeah, exactly. If we don't, nothing is gonna change. Not even the narrative of how we how we categorize uh, economies and like that, and that's not going to change. It's just going to be this this further broadening these categories and what's included in them. We're just saying capitalism is responsible for all this shit all the time. We're just coming up with new shit for it to be responsible for, and that is just insanity. Finance. Capital or financial derivatives, dead work, none of these are inventions of capitalism. These things, if you want to even stay within that that Rousseau framework of stage society, the mode production categories, the feudalist production system was dominated by finance, right? It was not – like so the classical econ- economists that are kind of like the origins of where the capitalist mode of production comes out of like Adam Smith and them, they are specifically saying the only capitalism was is only going to occur once it eliminates these remnants, you know, these feudal remnants, which is finance, right? Rentier, the bond class, the bond class has never been not in control, <laughs> right? It's just, it's, Finance is still dominating the global economic system. Yeah, so really, like, MMT has been the most mind-expanding thing I've ever delved into, right? And I've read a bunch of the Marx. I've read a bunch of Marx's stuff. So uh, actually, them. you know what? I, I think I think I would actually phrase it a different way. I can't I can't know what you're thinking, but MMT. MMT eliminates the chains that stop you from being able to see all the other stuff. Yeah, sure. That sure, I accept that. That's it does. It's MMT helps it with the the argument about the political will in MMT and stuff, right? Uh, what MMT does is is eliminate stuff. It eliminates false truths and false choices. So it it strengthens any political movement that uses it, not just left, but also right. If the finance sector, which Stephanie Keltons has made a point, like they're the ones that seem the most interested in it, right? The financial sector, which is also the one spending the most money on programs and segments on news to, to dump on MMT are also the ones most serious about it. Like, because they know it's <laughs> useful, because it's actually describing reality, not because anything inherently helps anybody better or more than the others. It's just because it's actually describing what's going on. Even if you're deep in a big, you know, movement of some sort, to not use it is dooming you. Like Jill Stein, 
who's got the best intentions, is very intelligent, but then just get, you know, trolled on, you know, live national TV because she's calling debt cancellation QE. Hmm. So it just understand these very the the operational realities is essential but anyway uh i have to say uh being that it is the mmt podcast we really didn't touch too much on it uh mmt is one of the definitely one of the most important things i've ever learned probably uh, i've never understood state power better i've never understood history better like i've ne- even when people are talking about things uh, that are correct in historical narratives, like David Graeber, but he's who is not, you know, an economist himself. Even he say might say something that's not quite correct, uh, and it's like the mainstream. You would hear it anywhere else. You yourself can be like, oh, like so you're able to kind of really dissect there more things that you're talk you're listening to anything that's talking about the state, right? This is like that's what I meant earlier. Is it's it's not that it's that MMT's telling you exactly what state power means but it shows you how it is working it is show you that no these money's not fake it's no more fake than law is right it's created by these networks these institutional networks these legal networks these all these things right are a part of it right and so yeah like that is something that mmt helps anybody with is all of a sudden yeah it strips away a bunch of kind of the bs and it really actually lets you look at how these things, these, like I said, objective structures, the, not to be waxing on about philosophically legitimate economic structures, right? And so this, and this is very important because now you know where you should be putting your effort into. And I mean, the I think this kind of left versus right paradigm that we've kind of been shoved into isn't really helping by arguing on philosophical grounds, right? I think if you start kind of with some of these economic structures, then you can be like, see, it's not nature. We're creating them. And then you can kind of get onto some philosophical topics with your neighbors and stuff like that, where it's fruitful, right? Instead of just kind of, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. And then, you know, uh, that you kind of end the conversation because you don't want there to be a political argument between a neighbor or your friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, MMT is very, it's probably when it's probably been one of the most enlightening things I've, uh, I've gotten into. Cool. All right. Well, that's a good place to stop. Um, Wesley, thank you so much for doing this. Um, Thanks for having you know, me, we've, yeah, we've been seeing each other online for, for quite a long time yeah. now. So yeah, me and you do, I think me and you need to have a, just a, phone call or something just to bullshit about stuff and weed out some thing, weed out things and maybe have cool. a then, well, maybe you said you, give, then maybe I'll give you a better interview more specific because uh, <laughs> you, you give good interviews when they're not recorded um, yeah, yeah probably <laughs> you, you, you said you wanted to do uh, your own podcast right yeah yeah I am I am looking to do my own podcast I'm kind of getting all this stuff set up for it now so if I I really want to I really feel that heterodox, just the concept, just the, you know, the, that category uh, heterodox is really not understood at all. And then even when you do kind of get into it, there's not a lot of sources that are just kind of focused on talking about 
what heterodox kind of means to us, you know, like in the context of today. And, Mm -hmm. but then also including all of the, all of like the schools from it, which is MMT and post Keynesian in its, you know, in itself, which is, they're, they're slightly separate, but still part of this, you know, radical Marxism, a part of it, you know, institutionalism. There's others, there's all these aspects that are informing each other with like, I think one of the best things about MMT was that it does that, right? Is that it has its like it's got like Mosler economics paper, right? But then it also has all of these other things informing stuff as like the community and kind of everything's growing around it, right? You got the legal side of it, you got linguistics, you got all this other stuff that's you know, you got institutionalists coming on the shows talking about stuff, informing the way we understand stuff. So, you know, uh, and of course it's going to be mainly through MMT lens though. Like I'll be coming from it at an MMT perspective. All right, dude, we got to say goodbye. It's hard hard saying goodbye to you, but I'm saying goodbye. Yeah, all right, man. It's it's been fun. I will see you back on Twitter and uh, thanks for doing this. Hope this wasn't too much of a mess for you. Nah, it's all all good. It's all good. (laughs) I mean, how can it not be? You know, how can it not be all over the place? Yeah, there's so much out there. It's just, it's crazy. for this show is by Rectech. You can find Rectech on SoundCloud and Spotify at W-R-E-C-K underscore T-E-C-H. To record Activist MMT, I use the iOS phone app Tape a Call Plus for recording phone calls and Zencaster for internet-based recordings. My post-production workflow starts by editing on the iOS app AnyTune Pro Plus then transferring those timestamps to my Windows desktop. At that point, I crudely process the audio in Audacity and then implement the edits and do all of the final processing in the Reaper digital audio workstation. Activist MMT is hosted by Libsyn and the video teasers are created with the online Headliner app.
Today I talk with Wesley Wiles about the false historical modes of production and how they relate to MMT. The primary source of this information is the 700-page 2021 book, The Dawn of Everything, A New History of Humanity, by the late anthropologist David Graeber and archaeologist David Wengro. Essentially, Graeber and Wengro reject the myth that as civilization becomes larger and more complex, it must necessarily also become more unequal. This myth and its false modes of production assert that ever-increasing inequality is unfortunate but necessary. In the same vein, mainstream economics assertion that a federal deficit is always bad, a balanced budget always better, and a surplus always best, means that the government's budget position is more important than the real-world condition of millions of human beings. This in turn implies that austerity too is unfortunate but necessary. The truth is that the only reason inequality or austerity is unfortunate but necessary is if we choose for it to be that way. We can choose differently. The real challenge is to stand up to those who benefit greatly from these things not changing. Because in both of these cases, it's a matter of life and death for us as individuals and as a human species. Wesley's provided some other valuable video lectures and panels, links to which you can find in the show notes. They include a panel discussion on the book The Dawn of Everything with Wengro, Stephanie Kelton, and others. There's also an excellent panel discussion on rentier capitalism with Graeber, Guy Standing, and Michael Hudson, filmed only days before Graeber's untimely death. And now, on to my conversation with Wesley Wiles. Enjoy. Enjoy.